You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, the only place where drums are replaced by boots and cats. At the top of the hour this hour, acapella research. On March 6th, Jacob Berglin posted a piece inquiring about what choral music educators can learn from contemporary acapella. Berglin starts by identifying some of the existing research into acapella, focusing mostly on books, and briefly discusses his research into the decision-making processes of an all-female group on his campus. He points out that many of those who are singing in acapella groups left more traditional singing programs or were never there to begin with. So what can those programs learn to bring them back? It's a thoughtful, if brief, discussion and is worth a read over at berglinmusiced.com. Hello, Acaville fans. Welcome to Talkapella. I'm your host, John Lampus. Today, I am talking about someone from my long time ago acapella past. Not really. It wasn't that long ago. But uh, my friend from undergrad, Laura Larson. Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, John. Absolutely. So Laura was a senior when I was a sophomore. She was in uh, two other groups on campus. She's also a member of Girl Band right now, which is an awesome uh, all-female Seattle group. So instead of me talking all about Laura, I'm going to let her tell you about herself. <laughs> so Laura, just tell people who you are and your acapella experience because you got a lot. Yes, I do. Um, yeah, so I, I attended undergrad at UPS with John. Um, and while I was there, I was part of two separate groups, one of which was a mixed group called Underground Sound. And then the second group was an all-female group called What She Said. Um, my senior year, I was swamped with, you know, being a double major and a minor. Mm-hmm. And I needed to drop one of the groups. And I ended up dropping the group that I had been in the longest, which was um, Underground Sound. And then I was full-time all-women's acapella for my senior year. And then post-grad life was pretty rough pretty silent. (laughs) Um, and I, I was kind of wandering listlessly through the world and I just got a random text from China Spencer, who I sang with a lot in college and she was in underground sound with me. And she was saying, you know, I'm part of this all women's group. We're having auditions soon. Would you be interested in singing in a group again? I said, absolutely. And so I auditioned and now I am part of girl band, which is a, you know, post-collegiate all women's group. There's six of us. Um, we have, you know, two of our members are very good at beatboxing. (laughs) So we don't have to like outsource any of that, which is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) So it's, it's been really, really great. Um, having this like, outlet in my life again and being a part of a group again boom absolutely that's just so dang heartwarming i love that <laughs> um, so that just hit on so many points that i think are super fun to discuss so let's dive in i'm really curious because um at puget sound and i've seen this a little bit at uh, grad school at colorado state the idea of being in two acapella groups is very like it's very interesting situation and i almost like think of it akin to um 
being in like two fraternities or two sororities in the sense that they're very, right. they can be almost like competing organizations at times. And I know uh, just for background for people who did not attend University of Puget Sound, which I have a feeling is a good chunk of the listeners, uh, there were three groups and then I added a fourth. Uh, there was uh, Garden Level, the large tenor bass group, what she said, the uh, all soprano alto group, Underground Sound, who we've had many members from that on um, as well with what she said, and then my group, Timberman, which was the small uh, lower voice ensemble. So Laura was in both Underground Sound and what she said, and to me, uh, I'd heard of one other person doing that before, and that was very like mystifying to me because I think <laughs> when uh, people arrive, like freshmen arrive on the you know at any college campus, there's this idea of like acapella rush or like trying to get in certain organizations, and I feel like this at a small school, there's definitely competition over members, and the idea of like pledging one group, you know, we see in what like Pitch Perfect, there's like you know <laughs> they have the ceremonies and everything, and the mixers and the bags on their heads, which I always thought was kind of scary but kind of cool. Um, so I'm curious what it was like doing two groups. As I recall, you joined Underground Sound, then joined What She Said. And I think that's a really interesting position because in my current group, I have, it's a five person group and three of our members are in another acapella group already. And it's, it's just a very interesting situation. I think it brings into questions of like different, you know, just musical approaches, but also like identity and how you identify as a member of a group. So like, what, what was that like Underground Sound and What She Said? Um, there was definitely a bit of competition. Uh-huh. Um, I think it was healthy competition, though. Um, there was, like you said, there was one other person that did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she overlapped uh, about the same time that I did. Mm-hmm. So we were in both groups at the same time. Um, so we had a lot to talk about outside of yeah. know, acapella. It's <laughs> a lot of time with a very specific <laughs> group of people. Right. It was, it was definitely, um, it took a lot of time and energy to be part of two groups, Yeah. but I mean, I really enjoyed it and I think I thrived doing it, but I don't think that it was for, you know, anyone to do that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was, like I said, it was like a healthy competition. Like, you know, we would bring up what the other groups were doing during Ooh. rehearsals, right. And kind of like check in with you know, each other, making sure that like, we're not doing any of the same songs or like the same types of songs, not treading on each other's toes. Right. So you joined underground sound first. What made you want to also audition for what she said is, um, I find really interesting because I've like had people like, Oh, you should audition for this group. I'm like, but I'm already in one. And I'm really curious, (laughs) like that kind of people are like, well, you could do two. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? So like, how does, right. yeah, and I know, um, you know, they both, uh, Underground Sound, which she said, mixed, and um, uh, Soprano Alto, they both occupy, like, kind of different spaces of campus culture, and they have different, right. they draw different kinds of people, and I'm curious, was it, like, socially, musically, or a combination of all that that made you say, yeah, let's do this one, too? I definitely think it was a combination of both. I was mm-hmm. approached by a few different members of what she said, mm-hmm. and they were all, like, you know we know you audition freshman year and um, we want you to audition again, basically. Um, And so I, you know, I considered my options and I considered the time commitment and being, you know, in two groups, like what that would mean Mm -hmm. for me, like personally. Right. But I felt like I didn't have any like issues with being in both, you know? So I, I just thought that I would go for it and see what happened. And I ended up getting in yeah. sophomore year. So there I was. Yeah. Cause I think 
what's really interesting is whether regardless of how many groups there are on campus, a lot of people, I, same for me when I'm like uh, choosing people who want to join Timberman or Mountain Horns, like my expectation is, or which is an unfair expectation is when I, when we say, okay, this person's not right for us. Hopefully they'll audition next year. It's like my, I I think like, oh, well we can just bring them next year or something like that when they've done this. And I feel like that's a really um, big headed thing to think of on, on my part in the sense of like your access to the student population. And I think it's, uh, I think it's good that they reached out to you in the sense that mm-hmm. like they should, and, and this isn't a, uh, anything against what she said. I think it's just something all groups need to recognize is that when you turn someone down for a group, regardless for whatever reason, it's always important to have those conversations about why, how, what you want from them, what they were looking for in a group, what you were looking for in a member. And I think it's really interesting that the compromise was just doing both. And I really think that I'm curious more of like, um, more about the also the like competition aspect you mentioned and like did right. did they like did groups argue argue over you and like <laughs> say like well are you doing more of this or this or whatever you which ones do you like more I'm really curious because that just I think brings up some really interesting social uh, questions about like us versus them in the acapella setting um I mean I think that most of the competition was just about like musicality mm-hmm. and performance rather than like I don't know, skill level. Okay, Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because, you know, there was there was definitely like a higher caliber of musicianship in what she said just because everyone in what she said was part of choir or part of the music program in some way. Yeah. Whereas like Underground Sound, the mixed group was a lot more um like people that were outside of the music major yeah. world. Yeah. Um so it wasn't it wasn't really like a, a question of like talent or skills. It was just like there Musical are more musicians. Yeah, there are more musicians in one group and then more like performers in the other group. But yeah, yeah. So it it just like it was more just about like how we perform, I guess, and yeah, and the those aspects. I almost feel like it would be it is more re- rewarding to have those kind of different groups and being in both rather than being in like two like super music focused groups or su- are two super like comedy focused or whatever groups in that right. you can play different roles in them. I know in my undergrad, it was me, one other music major and three guys who couldn't read music, but they were great vocalists. So we were very much like leading things and helping them and right. being very involved in that process. But um, with my current group, Mountain Horns, they're all music majors. They're all like performance or ed. So for me, it's my role is very different and it's been really fun to explore my the, the different things I can do in both roles, essentially, just comparing even though they're different time periods. And I imagine that was similar to you and being more of a leader in one and being maybe more ensemble focused or maybe like focused on different parts of the diff- of the right. musical experience in different groups. So I think that's really cool in that one group, you, you, you serve different purposes in different groups. And I think that's something that if people are considering doing two groups that is worth uh, is worth considering, I know someone who's in my group, who's in the other group, he's like the main musical director for his group. And then in our group, he's one of five. And I think it's really interesting that uh, I'm curious of how many other people are having those experiences and also like the like kind of regimen you're put in. I know uh, at least now at our undergrad at UPS, there is a lot of people, a lot of pushback against doing two acapella groups from the administration as it's seen as like, you know, tiring out your voice or focusing too much on like, um, 
you know, pop or whatever, not enough classical. And obviously that's, right. you know, that's more if you're in the music building. But I also have to imagine, I'm just judging this based on what I've heard of your voice and heard your voice. I have a feeling that that really helped you develop because uh, I know you're really great at jazz and doing all that fun stuff. I have an, a feeling that doing those two kind of groups really helped hone a very specific um, but very applicable musical skill, mus- a vocal skill in a sense. Yeah, no, totally. You're totally right. Um, no, yeah, completely. It, it definitely helped me like develop a lot as not only a performer like on stage, but also like the, the musical range of what I could do yeah. and just like exploring, you know, that jazzier side of my voice because you know you don't you don't get a lot of that in a classical you know conservatory style music program yeah and i think that's and that's another thing i see with acapella groups is and i know you know at our undergrad there was no real outlet for like jazz vocalists unless you programmed a jazz piece in your acapella group and i often see i think what really exemplifies your acapella situation is that uh and what's acapella groups can do for a lot of uh, musicians is kind of provide opportunities that aren't part of the standard curriculum at music schools in that uh, we're working on uh, in my undergrad we did like barbershop we had no opportunity to do barbershop anywhere else and i think it's really cool when acapella groups just as like a whole um i think they're seen too much by maybe music professors or just outside people as like a frilly thing but they can serve a lot of like great musical purposes and just not just developing skills, but developing skills that you don't get to use in the main music right. program. I learned way more about ear training and like how to hold my part in yes. a four person barbershop group than I did in choir, which is just the nature of those things. So I think right. um, both of our situations, especially yours, I think is really cool to like that. I think that's a really great uh, point to make for like, uh, for advocating acapella is like, look, it's not just we're going to sing like the first five songs we hear on 95.5 or <laughs> whatever it is in other, that's just organs, whatever. But um, getting that opportunity and making your own opportunities for different musical expression, I think is huge. So I think that's really cool that I remember you guys did like round midnight, I want to say. Um, yeah. I think, yeah. And I was like, I heard that and I was like, there's literally no other group on campus that is performing this kind of repertoire. Yeah. So and I pushed I, very hard for that song. <laughs> I know you had the solo, didn't you? Yeah. I remember yeah. that was great. That was for me, just as like an audience member, I was like, wow, I never get to hear this stuff on my campus. And it draws yeah. people, not just to acapella, but just to the music school in general, because they see like, oh, this is what music's like on the University of Puget Sound. There's like jazz voice, even though there wasn't an official program for that. So I just think that, um, you know, just for our listeners sake, like, use acapella groups to find not just niche roles, but to fill in the voids of things that you want to see. I always wanted to sing in a guy acapella quartet. So I made that happen. Laura's wanted to develop her jazz tone and develop in a different uh, kind of repertoire than she ever got the chance to. So I think people should just remember that acapella groups can serve lots of different purposes. And um, that's really important when trying to create a group, when trying to recruit, when trying to create a group culture. So that's, that's just, man, I just realized all this right now, and that just makes me that just makes me feel happier about acapella. That's so cool. Totally. Yeah. So Laura, just to kind of wrap it up, I'm curious, what was the kind of like final decision for you in choosing to uh, when you had to choose one group, Underground Sound versus what she said? Because I think that's a situation people, I think more and more people as acapella gets bigger and bigger are going to find themselves in. And yeah. um, I, you know, I think that's way harder than choosing, you know, a, a big part of as uh, acapella is seen in popular culture is like 
pledging which group is right as soon, as soon as you get to camps and stuff, but leaving one to focus primarily on another or just for the sake of time, uh, as you know, college kids are poor and they don't have any time on their hands. Right. Like, what was that decision process uh, like for you? Okay. Um, so the state of, you know, underground sound when I was a senior, um, the leadership roles had shifted pretty drastically from when I had joined. Um, and you know, it was, it was three years later and it wasn't, it wasn't the same group that I like enjoyed being a part of anymore. Um, and that was, you know, partially due to leadership and partially due to, um, like changing repertoire. Like, you know, when I joined, it was actually called underground jazz. Yep. Yep. yep, And we did a lot more jazz kind of stuff. Um, you know, mixed in with the pop and, and everything else. And then, you know, we shifted to more, more just pop and like typical, you know, eighties covers or like TV theme songs, <laughs> you know, yeah. all acapella groups do that. Um, and it just, it wasn't, it wasn't really what I wanted to focus on anymore. Whereas, you know, what she said, the leadership was very strong my mm-hmm. senior year. Um, it just, it had a lot more draw on me, I think at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, I, I just felt myself wanting to be there and not wanting to be necessarily a part of underground sound. Anymore. Yeah. So. I think it, yeah. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it kind of how I view it almost just as a microcosm is like, how do you feel during rehearsal when you're like right. in the trenches of like, okay, we are working on this really hard and we're not getting it or whatever. And you're in the like, lowest point uh, um with the highest being you know like an awesome performance um and it's kind of like okay where are the levels at for those two groups and i think that i think that brings up um you bring up a really good point about groups changing because groups evolve all the time of course but it's i think and something i always try to do um both um in undergrad and grad school is just ask people like are you enjoying this like how is this going for you do you feel like your musical interests are represented. And if a group wants to go a totally different way and there's like one person who doesn't, that might be yeah. the time to part. But I think it's really important to not always view your members as like surefire things and always making sure that exactly. not viewing it just as like a rehearse or a um, performance, like a product, a performance product, like focused machine and making right. sure you still have good performances, but that's in it, that it's an experience for everybody. So I think your concerns are very valid. And I think, mm-hmm. um, and underground sounds changed even way more, uh, since you left and, and it's, it's something really cool now. And I think it's different from both of those, uh, right. ensembles. So it's, I think, I think you, your situation really brings up like, okay, what is not just what is my place in the group, but what is the group's place for me and how do I influence that? And how do they feel about me influencing that? And how do we all kind of make a cohesive whole because and it's all about compromise and i think right. uh the best way to do that is just do a little bit of everything that's just me personally but i think i think your situation really addresses that really well and i think you made the right choice because i think uh despite just like what's going on with both groups i think um when it comes to leadership you just want it to be as stable as can be and you don't want to feel right. like it's going to fall apart so right. i think that's i think those are all really excellent points laura so Let's take a little break. We've been talking again with Laura Larson all about uh, where we've just talked about the whole two group uh, dilemma thing. We're going to talk <laughs> a little bit more about like uh, post collegiate groups and also acapella in Seattle and all women's groups. So this has been super fun. And we're going to be right back here on Tacapella. Mm-hmm. 
listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, your base for the lowdown on acapella. And welcome back to Acapella. Boom. So we just talked a lot with Laura, our guest today, all about the awkward situation when you're in two groups and you have to make a choice and what being in two groups is like, and that is very tied into uh, both hers and my acapella, uh, collegiate acapella experience. But the thing that Laura has done that not a lot of people have done that I don't know how to do at all is like find or start a group or be a part of a group once you're outside of college. I have no idea how that works, and I am fascinated to hear. Um, so as Laura mentioned earlier, she's part of Girl Band, a awesome all-female um, vocalist, Seattle-based acapella group that I'm a big fan of, and I just want to hear Laura like how that happened because I have I really have no idea how to do. Uh, once I'm out of grad school, I have no idea how I'm going to acapella because right. I I don't know how to do it. Uh, so um, basically, like I told you, um, you know, I w- I was not part of Girl Band 1.0. I joined mm-hmm. Girl Band 2.0. <laughs> um, so I I will give a brief overview of oh, Girl Band 1.0. Yes, uh, as well as I know it, right? Mm-hmm. So the the legend goes that, you know, <laughs> it grew out of um, a lot of alumni from um, Seattle U- University. Oh, okay. And um, so one of them, Lauren, who is in the group with me currently, and she's kind of our leader, um, she went out with another alumni and that alumni was like, you know, let's let's start a group. I was just, I want to be a part of a group again and I want to sing again. And Lauren was like, yeah, let's do it. So they found like six other, or no, there are six total like girls Mm -hmm. from SU. And then they found um, Jennifer Colby, who then brought on China Spencer. Mm -hmm. So Jennifer and China were from UPS, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it was like a mostly SU group with a couple of girls from UPS. Yeah. Um, Jennifer eventually dropped pretty soon after they started. So then it was just China mm-hmm. and all of these SU girls. And um, so they just kind of like struggled a little bit the first year. Like they had a lot of um, vocalists that couldn't read music or like mm-hmm. didn't really know very much about reading music or being musicians. Um, and toward the end of that first year, they lost everyone but four people right so they had yeah they had four people and then they were like well just gonna have to have auditions or you know try and find people that we like know that are in the area um so that's where you know china sent me a text asking me if i wanted to audition so that's how i joined the group so then i was the fifth member of girl pan (laughs) 2.0 Uh, and so that was the first year that I was part of it. I was the only new member. So there's just five of us mm-hmm. that year. And then we ended up losing, you know, a member to grad school. She went to, where is she? She's in Indiana. Oh yeah. Right. So we definitely lost her for, for good. So we had to, <laughs> you know, hold auditions to replace Rachel. And then we ended up bringing on two new members and that was, an interesting struggle going from five members to six members. Um, it was like a, it was kind of split down the middle, like whether or not we wanted that sixth person, Mm -hmm. but you know, 
I think ultimately it was made for the best. Mm-hmm. That decision was made for the best. I think that six people gives us a lot more versatility, especially since like we're doing our own beatboxing. Whereas yeah. like when it was just five of us, we brought on somebody to beatbox for us. Yeah. Yeah. But that's really limiting too, because then you like can't have regular rehearsals with that person. Yeah. They're not like really part of the group. But they, they don't still have perform. the same. Yeah. Right. Right. They don't have the same dynamic with you guys. Yeah. It's just like not ideal yeah. to have an outside separate beatboxer. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that all that raises a ton of interesting points. And one of it being just like, how do you get started? And I feel like, you know, always choose when you're starting a group, uh, it's always really good to choose like ringers or people, you know, like are going to be great. But then right. if for su- like the downside to that is if like, for some reason, something doesn't work out. You're kind of like, you're, you're kind of left without anything. So, I mean, I have to imagine, like, did you guys just advertise around Seattle? Just like, how'd you, I'm curious how you like <laughs> got the word out. We, we never like advertised at any point for auditions. Um, like at our shows, we were approached by a few people that yeah. were like, oh my God, like I am looking for something like this in my life. You know, do, are you guys having auditions? And so we got some some people that way. Yeah. Um, you know, we made sure that they were actually like musicians and, yeah. you know, did a little vetting before we brought them in. Smart. Right. Um, and so we've, we've met a lot of like interesting people that way, uh, that like we ultimately couldn't have in the group for one reason or another, like one of the girls lives on Whidbey Island. So obviously <laughs> like commuting to Seattle several yeah. times a week, isn't going to work for her. Um, but like we left her voice, so we're like waiting for her to to make the move to Seattle, and then yeah, we can scout her again. Um, and then it's other than that, it's just like, you know, we know some people in the Seattle area that are from EPS that you know have acapella connections. More so, it's like people that went to SU that have some connections to like Western or yeah you know, other like acapella communities besides mm-hmm. Seattle. Yeah. That, you know, it's just like who, you know, it's all yeah. about networking. That is all it is. I'd absolutely agree. And I feel like, uh, I would think the biggest thing for you guys and, um, other post-collegiate groups, the most difficult thing is that you guys don't have like an infrastructure, like a university that where you, there are all these proper channels for all these things, advertising right. for, uh, you know, the two groups I've been in both, we're associated with a college. So I feel like, um, for me, when I get out there, I'm going to be like really trying to find <laughs> different, I'm going to be really confused, but I think it makes a lot of sense that it's kind of like, there's not a clear, like here is our strategy for like marketing in Seattle. Cause that's right. That's a huge undertaking on its own. So, right. um, and then I think that also like, um, you know, it's not like everyone lives on campus. It's like you said, spread out. So I think it's really admirable that you guys are like, able and i think it it sounds like you have to get really specific people not just for yes. music but just like location schedule yes. it's harder to schedule things when people like aren't just in classes from this time to this time exactly so, yeah so i'm wondering like um like how do you guys do rehearsals how many times a week uh do you guys meet so we meet once a week for rehearsal on sunday nights um that's usually best for everyone mm-hmm. um we have a rehearsal space at SU because one of our members yeah. still works there. Nice about that. There you go. Right. So, but the, the problem that we're running into there is we just got a sound system and we like oh, to nice. rehearse with that sound system, yeah. but it's like a lot to carry. 
Yeah. Um, so we are looking into like people's apartments and like whether or not we can rehearse, you know, I would love for you guys, I would love for you guys to rehearse (laughs) in my apartment. That would be awesome. (laughs) But Colorado. Um, right. (laughs) Yeah. So that, that was another thing I was going to ask, like, where do you rehearse and how do you, it's not as simple as just you go to the music office and see when rooms are open, but trying to like, again, navigate Seattle in a location that works for everybody. And also just like, you want to, you want to be picky at a certain point with like, okay, do we actually sound good in here? And then having to worry about if you have to pay for that as well, like renting out a space. How do you guys, um, so you guys don't have to pay for the room at uh, Seattle U right now, which that's really nice. Then like, how does, how do performances work? Do you like, where do you guys perform usually? Um, our like monthly staples are like farmer's markets. We'll do at least one farmer's market, like busking kind of, yeah, you know, hour long experience a month. Um, other than that, we have been approached by people who are putting together like open mic night kind yeah. of shows or like curated, you know, shows with music or yeah. poetry or whatever it is. Um, there's also like jam nights around Seattle. It's very like jazz based, but they, you know, we just know the right people. <laughs> and so they, they love to have us, even though we're not really, you know, particularly jazzy in our, <laughs> you know, rep. but, um, yeah, so we we are really busy. Like we had two gigs in the last two weeks, nice. and we're only like six weeks in with our. We got two new members over Christmas break, mm-hmm. um, so we are doing really well. That's great because, and I think that's yeah. the approach you need. You kind of just gotta take what you can get, and because besides just like performing experience, as getting your name out there in a like in a city as big as Seattle and that kind of community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I had Amanda Trand on here before, who is a member of C-Note, also based in Seattle, has talked a lot about building the uh, acapella community of Seattle. Right. And I feel like that's the thing post-collegiate groups really have to think about is like, how do I relate not just to the group as a musical ensemble, but how does this like musical ensemble as like a brand relate to the city that we're in? And you have to develop some kind of relationship with it, whether it is understanding where the best spaces are knowing a lot of people so you can take advantage of that. And uh, Mm -hmm. are we close enough to the farmer's market? How are we going to get there? Are we going to drive? Like, what's the most reliable source of transportation to take? So I think it's like developing like this kind of relationship and really familiarizing yourself with the city or the community you're in, which again, for acapella groups on campuses, like we have, we're going to perform in two weeks. We don't know where we're thinking. We'll just go out in the middle of the like the campus <laughs> quad and that'll be right. fine. Cause people are going to walk by and they'll hear us. And I feel right. so I'm realizing how spoiled I am right now. Cause right. that's so easy, but I feel like, um, you know, the best groups in undergrad are the ones that re- are people who are really the leadership. Like you said, with you sound and what she said, they really know everything that's going on. They're on top of their stuff and they understand networking and marketing and stuff. And I feel like, like the average, like I'm trying to say this right. The average like person who's on top of their stuff as like a leader of an undergrad group, like just be at that level is not enough as um, is not enough mm-hmm. for when you're in a big city, you almost like need like, like a bookie or an agent or something. It feels right. like, and it sounds like you guys all have to develop like skills of some sort to do that because yes, unless you're paying someone to be your agent, like it feels like you kind of have to put all hands on deck for okay, how are we going to navigate like the city of Seattle, and how are we going to 
find all the nooks and crannies and are people going to be there and is this going to work yeah. out for us so it's it's very interesting just the dynamic of uh not just like like dynamic of like responsibilities it sounds like everyone has to take on do you have yeah. like a sole person who does like marketing or like finding stuff or do you all do it um i mean we're always all on the lookout we always have our ear to the ground yeah. you know and and we've been approached like separately you know as members yeah um so it's just like if we're approached by somebody we'll bring it to the group and say hey we have this opportunity yeah. to perform do we want to do it kind of thing um so that kind of it's coming from all angles in our group which is great um yeah. but uh i did want to bring up that like so when right after i joined um I think like the group was in a very low point in terms of like productivity and, you know, we weren't doing a lot of gigs, you know, they were kind of like coming off of this, like they had a huge group of like seven or eight girls and then now we're down to five and it's like, you know, totally different yeah. from, from what we had. And, um, it took us like a good six months and then we just kind of like had a, like epiphany as a group, I guess, um, where it was like, you know, I want to make this my priority. Like all of us kind of collectively had this thought, mm -hmm. right. That like we were going to make it our priority to perform more and like put ourselves out more because yeah. at that point, you know, we weren't doing, we were doing like a few farmers markets here and there, but we weren't really doing any like open mic nights. You know, we, we weren't networking very, very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as we started saying, okay, we're going to do like a set, you know, farmer's market every month, we're going to plan it in advance Yeah. rather than just like letting it happen organically or saying, you know, oh, I think we're ready to perform now. Right. Yeah. But like setting clear expectations and goals, like way ahead of time, that was like where our turning point was. So that was like yeah. March of, it was like March of 2016, yeah. Um, that that happened. And so like, as soon as we hit that point, we have gone so far beyond where we ever were. And like, mm -hmm. I only see us going further. So I think that's really important to like, understand that, you know, you can pull all of these talented people together. But like, if you don't have the collective, like, come to Jesus moment where like, everyone <laughs> yeah. says, you know, like, I want to commit to like performing more or being a part of this group for like the long haul, right? Then you're just kind of like flounder, <laughs> but it's, it's so important. Yeah. The thing you said that I really struck a chord with me, um, uh, let it happen organically, or I feel like that is especially, I feel like that's an issue that, that approach and that idea. Well, yes, it's very nice to just think you can let things happen. Uh, especially again, when you're not in, college and you're not there's not like a list of events where you can just email someone and set it up uh, exactly like having that drive I think is really important whereas I feel like uh, for college groups you really only need to have like one at least in regards to the logistics thing you really need to have like one or two people who are like scheduling stuff and setting things up but it's but for um, the much more complicated situation of post-collegiate everyone needs to be like their own like their yes. the marketing person the president the secretary the historian all of that for the group because the forces you're up against are much harder and harder the um strata the social strata are much harder to navigate so i think that's really i feel like that's a really um your guys's success in that you know come to jesus moment i think is something a lot of people should uh really think about and just like 
dedication, but dedication not just to like I'm gonna work hard on my music, but like yes. dedication to like making the group function, not and just, like clear goals, right? Yeah, setting those at the beginning of the year, or setting them not. I just, literally I just said at the beginning of the year, but what's the beginning yeah. of the year if you're not in right. school? <laughs> like there you go. So I think that's and those are like discussions I think are always best to have, like you know when you're first getting someone in the group or whatever. But again, those are hard to set when it's not at school when you like don't have a set number of turnover based on people's years and stuff and the only occasional right. one due to something else. So I think I think that's really important. The idea of just being like a logistical person, being always checking your email, like responding really quickly on the Facebook page, not being late to rehearsal and like yes. I feel what is always the um and this can I think can be said for all musical groups that are started by students um, or just, you know, non-professionals or that aren't part of a big organization is the idea of like, is this going to fall apart? It's like, what if some people just don't show up and then we don't have rehearsal and then that just is the new norm and we just don't exist. And I right. feel like, um, well, I've talked about that in regards to collegiate stuff. I've, you know, facing that twice with starting two groups. Um, I've always been like, okay, we need, I always try to get like the logo fin or figured out really quickly and like mm -hmm. specific things. So they think it's, so we like trick ourselves, not trick, but like convince ourselves, Hey, this is real. And I feel yeah. like that's oh, yeah. really like really, really important for post-collegiate groups. Cause there's so many more things in the way like, Hey, mm -hmm. I'm getting married. I just can't do this anymore. Like, Oh, okay. Well, that's the thing now. And making yeah. it not just like, Hey, this is a fun musical activity. I do like every once in a while, but like, this is an ensemble I have a commitment to that needs right. me to be there and is a real functioning unit. Cause yes. that's so frustrating when people aren't dedicated like that, even in undergrad, but to have that in post-collegiate, I think dedication to more than the music and dedication to the organization as a brand, as a family unit, yes. as a community, that's super important. And it's funny you say that. Cause like, I think, that us getting a logo was definitely part of our like turner <laughs> turning point. Um, and you know, we've done a lot of like self marketing since then. Yeah. Um, so like China is pretty much in charge of all of our social media. Um, she runs it well. I've seen it. I've she like does. Yeah. She, I mean, we all kind of like pitch in and she'll ask for, you know, Hey, does somebody want to like design, yeah. you know, a quick little something for our gig or, you know, whatever yeah. it is. So we all share the we all share the load, but it's it's been a it's been a wild ride for sure. Yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Just putting in foundations wherever you can. I think just as you convince people, you can if you can convince people that the group is real, like not just like yes, it's obviously a real organization, like that we're here and we're doing this, but like <laughs> real in the sense that it matters and that um, it existing matters, I think, mm -hmm. whatever way you can do that, whether it's through the logo, whether it's through, you know, gigs, or whether it's through uh, having a set rehearsal time, and just little things like showing yeah. up late, or like not being sure who's arranging what, or just like little bits of uncertainty are all the things that like, go against that kind of foundation. And that's things right. that all groups face. So having really strong, like, hey, we know exactly what we're doing. And we have a clear goal, clear message, and having that open dialogue among members mm -hmm. i think you just set yourself up for success way more than just hey we could do a group like the groups that i've been in that fall apart like are the ones honestly that don't have a name because there's not there's not a sense yeah. that it's real so right. i think that's perfect yeah yeah so like you really have to develop that group culture right yeah of have an identity the expectations yeah and i feel like we definitely have that we you know refer to ourselves as a squad pretty frequently <laughs> that's good um, 
No, it's great. Like we, we have like a group Snapchat, you know, thing that we like are always on, you know, talking to each other. Right. So we're, we're all really tight, like personally. And I think that's important too, but you know, we also have this sense of like collective professionalism. Yeah. Like you're doing. So yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, we found our balance in our own group and I'm really like, shocked that we were able to do that because it feels like something that would be really challenging, um, in another group. So I just like definitely am counting all of my blessings. No. Yeah. And I think that's, um, when you are lucky enough to be like really tight with, uh, the people in your group that having that emotional foundation makes it way easier to develop a professional thing. If I'm late to a rehearsal, like, or we had a member who was like, late because uh like like we had a retreat and he was like an hour or two late just because he had gotten like the text wrong or he read it wrong or whatever and it wasn't just like oh he wasn't just sad because he missed out on rehearsal time he felt like he did a disservice to like us because we're friends so i think it's really important to have yes it is i even with all my ranting about like a professional (laughs) foundation having an underpinning a foundation for your foundation of emotional and like a connection that that just makes you more accountable to each other. Cause that's the thing, yes. like feeling like you don't have to be accountable is what like breaks up groups and what makes it when people don't learn their music and whatnot. So I think you guys have a, like, that's a really good model to follow. Yeah. And a lot of people yeah. aren't always like lucky enough to like be really tight with everybody, but mm-hmm. you know, then they have to double down on the professionalism part just to really make right. it work. Boom. That is a lot of insight that I am really happy that I know <laughs> now. That's great. Boom. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take one more break here. We're going to be right back on Tacapella. We're almost done with this week's episode. We've been talking with Laura Larson of Girl Band, an all-female acapella group from Seattle. And we're going to be right back here on Tacapella. When you're down and troubled And you need some love and care And nothing, nothing is going right Close your eyes and think of me begins to 
Listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, giving listeners worldwide something to sing about. And we are back on Tacapella. We've been talking with the lovely Laura Larson. That is some fun alliteration right there. Uh, all <laughs> about her group, Girl Band, in Seattle. We've talked about the two-group tricky issue of being in two groups at one time, how that can be fun and also can be kind of stressful. We just talked a lot about group foundations in the post-collegiate uh being in a post-collegiate group and how you create foundations for that, which is something I knew nothing about. And I was just going to talk a little bit about uh, a subject that I feel is somewhat trickier to talk about nowadays and today when we realize that there are more gender identities than just male and female and that there's a whole spectrum it is sometimes tricky to talk about groups as single gender units i always say or i always try to say soprano alto or tenor bass whatnot um as opposed to female or male regardless if they are what because i don't know how every member identifies uh girl band is a group that identifies where every member is female, identifies as female. And I feel like this is just a good opportunity to talk about, but just the the intricacies and the unique atmosphere of um, that kind of, uh, that environment, and also just what it's like having that kind of relationship and how that affects uh, group unity and function. So Laura, if any of that made sense, just talk about what <laughs> I just said. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, anytime that you have, you know, like, an unmixed group, right? You don't have any of the lower voices. Um, you run into a lot of range issues mm-hmm. and projection issues, right? Yeah. Um, we solved problem B by getting a sound system. There you go. Um, Boom. <laughs> which has helped us already, like tremendously. You know, we just got it for Christmas, essentially. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a great Christmas gift. I know. <laughs> Um, yeah, so like we do all of our own arranging, um, Mm -hmm. like 90% of our stuff is arranged by one of us. Um, and I think almost everyone has done some arranging at some point. 
Um, I've done like two arrangements. China and Lauren have done a lot more, you know, our previous members have done a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, we rarely like use other people's arrangements. So I think that that's our way of getting around like the range issue is that we like know each other really well. And we know our own ranges at this point so that we can like arrange to the group particularly. Right. Yeah. We don't like to do a lot of like transposing of Mm -hmm. other stuff. You know, we'll, we'll do things in a different key if it's like absolutely necessary, but we don't want to be one of those groups that like has to take everything higher because we're women. Right. Yeah. I think that's like a, a pretty stereotypical thing. Yeah. And I think it's, but it's also like a real issue that you have to address right. some way, but I think it right. is, you know, some songs work better in other keys than other, uh, than other uh, originals and whatnot. But I, I, I do think that is a unfortunate kind of stereotype uh, right. of uh, all female groups that I think it's not just from like a reputation perspective, but I think it's smart that you guys are like, okay, we're going to do something that like, the composer has these vowels on this part of the passage or whatever. And we want to like line up uh, our instruments with the original Mm -hmm. intent of the song and the composer, rather than just like kind of artificially moving things around. Right. Right. Um, So I think we've been like very successful in navigating that aspect of like being an all women's group. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've done like every kind of genre at this point, you know, we've done some jazz, we've done some pop, we've done a lot of like indie kind of stuff, folksy kind of stuff. We've done like a very small bit of like more classical end, but we don't really dwell on that. But I think that like, because we can arrange our own stuff that just makes us 10,000 times more versatile as a group. And also the fact that like, we have our own internal beatboxers now, um, which is huge. Yeah, so cool. actually, we might have three, hey. <laughs> <laughs> right? So so right now, you know, most of our arrangements are for five voices and a beatboxer. We do have some that are six voices, um, but almost, like, I would say the majority of our songs have a beatboxer mm-hmm. or, like, feature, you know, a beatbox part. Um, so right now, like, Lauren and China do a lot of the beatboxing, um, and they just are self-taught, you know, they didn't, like, do anything special. They just taught themselves how to do mm-hmm. it. So props to them. I'm always and impressed then, by people who can I do know. that. And I like kind of hate them for it too. Cause I can't. Right. <laughs> I know. And they're like so good at it. And then, um, we have a new member, Gabby, who, you know, expressed interest. And so she's going to be beatboxing for nice. one of our songs coming up here. So we're really excited about that, you know, to have potentially three people that can beatbox. And that's really good. And that's a, another thing is like, because we have that kind of versatility, right? Like, we're always singing different vocal parts. Like I'm, I'm not always S1. Lindsay's not always S2. Um, you know, we, we trade off the high parts and the low parts to make sure that like the, the quote unquote bass voices aren't getting too tired. Mm -hmm. Um, because that is like a reality, right? If you're singing an E flat as a female (laughs) below middle C, right? Yeah. That's like, that's like, Oh, it's a lot. (laughs) That's, that is like, just slightly low for my range. So I think, yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So it's definitely not like ideal to have the same person singing those E flats all the time. Yeah. You'll get tired Uh, out, especially when you're like programming sets and if they want to do like a high solo later on. And that's the thing that um, in studying like vocal pedagogy, which is a class I took in undergrad, um, you realize that just in studying it, that the like quote unquote cisgender female voice, um, is like it's much easier for 
a soprano to sing alto and alto to sing soprano rather than it is for a tenor to sing bass or a bass to sing tenor because right. of where passaggios lie and like though all singers you know have of those four parts you know the different fox um like where they're supposed to lie it is easier right. for females to access different parts of the range maybe not as like they might not have the same brilliant quality or dark quality or whatever um but they still can sing that which is why it's not right. uncommon for like people who have big soprano voices to sing like alto one and choir because of blending right. or whatnot so i think that's um an important versatility thing that people should recognize in all female groups and that mm-hmm. it is not hard for like people to switch back and forth well ideally you right. want the people who are strongest in certain areas like uh we were trying to have me sitting like sing really low bass for one song and i'm just like i just can't do that well it's easier yeah. i'm sure easier for you to sing like alto too just because of how the voices are like biologically structured right boom yeah so that's just kind of i think some things people should keep uh in mind for single gender groups you know single or properly single like instrument groups you know whether the cisgender female instrument or the there needs to be terms for those like there needs to be a way to identify male and female larynges without gender like i just did right um i think that's a really great way to wrap up this episode we've been talking all about uh laura's experiences all about girl band all about the different uh stuff that she's encountered and i think uh i think this is one of the episodes i've learned like the most from uh because this is important stuff and these are important real obstacles that i'll probably face at some point that I'm sure listeners have faced before and I'm sure listeners have triumphed over and I'm sure listeners have not triumphed over. So I think Laura, thanks so much for coming on and just kind of knowledge dumping all this stuff. Cause this is great and it's great for listeners. Absolutely. It's great for me. So uh, if yeah. people want to get a hold of girl band and hit you up for performances and see what you're all about, mm-hmm. how could they do that? So we have a Facebook group. Um, we are very active on Facebook and also on Instagram. So, you know, it's two words, all caps, girl band, um, on Instagram, we are Girl Band Seattle, all one word. Um, yeah, we are always looking for more opportunities. We're always looking for ways to grow as musicians and, you know, people to connect with. So yeah, yeah, hit us up. Boom, guys, hit them up. They they're really good at what they do. Can <laughs> confirm. Uh, and then everyone, if you want to get a hold of me, tweet me at John Lampus. But more importantly, tweet the station at Ockerville Radio on Instagram on facebook on twitter all the social media stuff that i'm not entirely on so check us out <laughs> this has been another fun episode of talk Appella. laura thanks so much for coming on talking about girl band and all your Absolutely. awesome experiences that's it for this week folks for everything acapella stay tuned